You want to write? Do you want to write like ORM behind you so people know who you are? That's a bit much. No, too much. Okay. Fair I usually enough. wear it. I often wear an ORM shirt, but today I'm wearing the Ultravirus shirt, which is Ultravirus, which is my badass race that we're doing this weekend. What is Ultravirus? So glad you asked. Well, what if I told you? Five, I already hate this pitch, by the way. Five. <laughs> what if I told you? Five mile loops. Twelve hours. Five five mile loops in twelve hours. Five mile loops. Uh huh. Twelve hours. Yeah. Amrap. Oof. Or amlap. Amlaps. As many loops as possible. Is that what the? Are you drinking yeah. Starbucks and not Dunkin'? What the hell is going on? So glad you asked. Dario. Am I ever going to ask something that, that you're not glad I asked? Okay, keep going. Okay, so it's an, uh, your ultravirus is an AMLAP and you're not drinking Dunkin' today. So we can talk, whatever, man. What do you want to, whatever, dude. You want to talk about Hunter? We can talk about all my, you can talk about my amazing life too. You know what, Matt? I just, I just want to, I want to, I want to warm you up. You seem, you seemed a little, you know, scuttled out there. I, I am, I am you scuttled, like which I can't. Onto a Zoom call on your phone as if I was just going to start recording and talk to you on your phone while you're trying to. I would never out. do that either, but I just felt so bad for being late because as a, as a, as a host, I like to be on time for people. I had some family stuff come up today. That's all I'm going to say right now. Everything's, cool. everything's okay. Everything's okay for the That's time. That's what being. matters. I'm, right? I'm cool. I've got, I, I, I usually pad out my schedule. I've got, I, I build myself some extra time. You never know. So I work at home half the time and because I have three children and it's loud in my house, I come to this place half the time, which is a WeWork situation. They have several floors in this building, which currently no one is in and it's awesome. So I have this entire floor to myself. I have this entire thing to myself and I come here often. And because of COVID, everything inside the building has been closed. Well, wouldn't you know, the Dunkin' is open again. Sorry, <laughs> the Starbucks is open again. So I'm like, awesome. Hey, Starbucks lady, can I order a coffee? She's like, yeah, if you do it in the app. I'm like, great, let me pull up the app. What's my name and password 27 times that didn't work? She's like, well, I think you can do it as guest only, right? Exactly. So that's what took me so fucking long once I actually told you I was ready to go. Um, but yeah, they... Um, so now I'll be, I'll be, when I'm here, I'll probably be drinking a lot more Starbucks. Is that, is your, is your local Duncan going to appreciate that? Well, here's the deal. I actually hit it this morning on the way here. I actually did oh, get so a morning coffee. You're you as just like me, mega caffeinated. Oh yeah. 24 seven. Yeah. yeah. At least until five or six. I don't, I don't usually drink a coffee past three or four, but I might. I stopped, I stopped drinking coffee uh, before noon. But until that point, I drink obscene volumes of coffee. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how to not drink coffee most of the day. Like if I have caffeine in the afternoon, it's like a pre-workout. That yeah, might I don't be really like use a little it. afternoon kick. Like you know, I, concentrated caffeine in like blue raspberry flavor. You know what I mean? Well, I, I do, the, I do the, the, the large iced from, from Dunkin', which is very sweet. And it's... it's um, Sweet coffee? What's wrong with you? Uh, so I go also sometimes just to break up the day. Like, hey, it's two o'clock. Let's get up from the desk, right? Or three o'clock. Let's. We've had lunch already. Let's break up the day. All right, Matt. You know what? Let's go ahead and get into 
more interesting topics. I'm going to leave all that audio for the podcast, the audio podcast, but we're going to, we're going to do this video style, hopefully. And uh, this is where we're going to start right here. The video part, the video part. Okay. I'm ready. Matt Davis, obstacle racing media. That's me. uh, Chief brain man behind Ultravirus. Is that correct? Sure. 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 That's me. Uh, Dude. This past weekend, a good friend of ours attempted a Murph world record. Correct. And uh, I wasn't there, but you were there. I was there. And a lot of people have been talking about this. Rightfully so. It seems like a really interesting thing to talk about, in my opinion. Uh, We saw Hunter McIntyre. Let's go ahead and just list off some of these guys' creds. Uh, Spartan world champion. Uh, uh, Iraq's world record holder. There's there's been some there's been some dispute on several TV shows or things. It says six time world record holder and no or six time champion, and no one's able to nail those six down. Did um, he provide that information? I think he gave it once, and then it just lives. It's one of those things, right? So he's, we know, he's at least a one time world well, champion. So he's so he he won TMX both times. He is the TMX world champion, the reigning TMX world champion, and if it ever comes back, we can take the title away, right? Much like that title you won, whatever middleweight bullshit title you won that How you dare you? That trophy is literally over my left shoulder. <laughs> I am the I am the most I'm the best intermediate crossfitter of all time because intermediate crossfit ended after right. my reign. So so Hunter's the same way with TMX, right? Sure. Um um, it's not quite as impressive as what I did, but okay. Right. I mean, Jacob came in second, I think Hepner, right? Well, or Vel- and Velner third or the other way around. That sounds about right. I just trying to give your audience a clue. If they never heard of TMX, what it means and what it mattered. Anyhow. So he won that. And then he won the team version of world's toughest mutter one year. So that's three. Okay. He's never won the Spartan world championship. He's oh. never won that. All so, right. Although he says he's going to this year. We can talk about that later. Um, but that's Hunter. Oh, and, um, all around shit talker. Yep. Um, was one of two wild cards last year, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. Ben Smith was the other one. Yeah. Right. And, uh, he's a CrossFit games competitor. He was broken skull ranch. He, he broke broken skin. Yes. Okay. That's another, that's another champion. If you want to call that, he's a broken skull ranch champion. We're up to four. Did he ever, uh, did he ever? Did, he did the he did like ultimate tag or right right or something like that or like celebrity tag. Did he ever lose on that? I can't imagine he ever lost on that. The only clip I ever saw of him on that was like he started four and a half minutes behind the competitor and he caught him at like the eight hundred meter mark. Right. So not to be confused, it's funny you mentioned that because I did a post the other day about um, ultimate tag. I said, great, another you know seventeenth you know degeneration of fucking American oh, gladiators. No, it was something mile, wasn't it? Million dollar mile. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Million so, dollar mile. So he, I don't think you could call him a champion of that. He was just one of the, he was one of the athletes that would catch the the, the, the schmoes, you know, if it's pros yeah. versus Joes kind of a thing. All right. Anyway, so we all know who Hunter McIntyre is. The the people who watch my channel uh, and the people who are aware of, of, you know, sort of his exploits from the uh, OCR world also they watch your channel so they we're not we're not speaking to an uneducated audience here people know who Hunter is they know he, he talks mad shit they know he he does wild fitness crazy stuff uh, and they also know because we both covered it a bunch that he 
took on uh, Murph this past weekend, the weekend, the, the Saturday before Memorial Day, in order to try and set a world record. And that, that, that in and of itself is like a, it's a very hunter thing to do. But also like the core of it is he was trying to raise money for a charity, right? So we can, we can, uh, we can go ahead and just say the heart of this thing is that he was trying to raise money for, for charity, successfully raised some money for charity. Uh, the, the hook, the marketing hook behind it was like, I'm going to break the world record Murph come watch and also donate money to this charity. So in that sense, he was successful. Uh, everyone I think who watched it probably was equally surprised by a few different things. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. They were surprised that he didn't break 30 minutes because that's what he said he wanted to do. Uh, They were surprised that someone who was right next to him beat him by like a minute or whatever. And then they were equally surprised by how trash can that uh, other dude's reps were. Correct. So... Those are the three. Those are the three. I don't know. You tell me if people were shocked he didn't break 30. I don't know. Like, did your people think he was going to break 30? Did CrossFit people think he was going to break 30? I thought he would actually get pretty close. I thought he'd get, I thought he'd get, you know, pretty close. And he and I, when he first thought about breaking the Murph world record, he, we had a call, we had like a long call and he was, he asked me like, what would it take for it to be legit? What would it take for, you know, people to believe it? Uh, what's a good time? What should I aim for? How does this look? I told him sub 30 would make him a superhuman. Like it, it, it seems to me sub 30 is nearly impossible, but it would make him a superhuman to do it unpartitioned with a weight vest in sub 30. Uh, I told him getting anywhere near the low 30s would be an untouchable score for basically everyone except for maybe three or four other people on the face of the planet. And then the other things that I told him to make sure it was like, have a judge live stream the whole thing. And he, he was able to execute on pretty much all those things. Right. Um, but let's go ahead and, and, and talk about it. So he finished in like 34, 13. Is that correct? Something like that. Correct. So he finished in 34, 13, which is incredibly fast. Uh, it's, uh, far and away the fastest judged Murph that we've seen. There's plenty of people who've done Murph apparently like 10 minutes faster than him. Correct. But none of those people have live streamed it or had a, a judge to sort of make sure the reps look good um, and that the, uh, the range of motion standards are being met and, you know, the distances are correct and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the story to me isn't necessarily that Hunter wasn't able to to break 30 minutes. The story to me is his training partner, Kempson. So I, I feel a certain way about this. Please. I feel a certain way about this, Matt. I don't know. First, who, first of all, we need to be to clarify, cause some people might not be, uh, this is Matt Kempson. He has a brother named Ryan Kempson. They're both very competitive. Uh, I used to call them the ugly one and the chubby one. Okay, Ryan being the ugly one and Kempson being the chubby one, right? Uh, in, in jest, of course, I love them both. They're good dudes. Um, love strong. Anyway, so this gentleman's name is Matt Kempson. I just want to make sure if we're going to say who it is, and then you can call him Kempson the rest of the time. Okay, Matt so Kempson. People, yes. And he has a pedigree in OCR. Is that correct? 
Correct. Okay, is he good? He's never been like, I mean, I should have looked this up beforehand. He's never been a top, top guy. Um, he's been like a top, I don't, I don't know what Gimson has done now that I think about it. I mean, he's won some races. His brother is the faster one, and his brother has done really well lately against the best, best guys. Mm-hmm. Kempson has been – I think he's done pretty good in the stadium series, okay. which, is the sh- which is the shorter version. He was at TMX. He didn't make the finals of TMX. Um, what else? Has he done high rocks? Has he done high rocks yet? I'll have to go look. Does he do CrossFit? Do you know? No. In the last couple of years, there's been a group of guys who – started going to OCR guys who sort of are seeing the their their path like sort of narrow like hey there's no way I can climb up a fucking mountain right and be really fast on the ground and like all the different things OCR is so we've seen people quote unquote specialize so first it was just the stadium version so for your crossfit audience the stadium versions of Spartan are instead of running on some hill for 5 or 10 miles it's inside a stadium it's probably three-ish miles, a lot of stairs, and a lot of bodyweight exercises. Wall balls, jump rope, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Right? Um, and so Kempson was going that way. And then High Rocks came around. And so in the last three months, Hunter has brought him into his world, as Hunter does, right? And they've been like, we'll go after this together. Let's train in Colorado for the last six months. Let's go after this together. Or three months. Let's go after this together. Okay. So basically, uh, here's, here's how I feel about this situation. Um, I, I, think, I think it's really important for us to keep perspective that this thing was just a charity event that got marketed towards the world record thing. I wanted to see a world record fall. I wanted to see like the best murph possible i thought hunter uh for sure is one of the guys on the face of the planet that that could take it on and do you know a murph faster than just about anybody else ever has before and legitimately do it um but you know you and i talked about this when the live stream is going on and hunter has put together this entire event and done basically 95% of the legwork for it to exist the entire thing is marketed around his attempt at murph the the crowd that's there is there for him they're there because of him he's the he's the man in this situation he's like the marquee in this situation and the guy who's been living or training with him or whatever for this entire time like is is both doing like piss poor reps across the board in almost every single rep of all 600 reps. Wow. Not, none of them really were ever that great. Wow. And then he beats Hunter at his event. And it's like the, the moment that I felt it was most uh, like almost disturbing was when Hunter comes in on his last mile and everyone's cheering there. And everyone's clapping like, woo, good job. But Kempson is just like standing around and, and, you know, he like saunters over to an exhausted hunter and he's like, oh, good job, man. Yeah, good job. Or whatever the fuck he says to him. And it's like, okay, so listen, I don't know what their relationship is like. And I don't know what they talk to each other about in terms of how they set this thing up. But there's only really a couple situations in which this happens. And again, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. 
this is either a complete and total miscommunication where it was never communicated to Kempson that this isn't his show and that if he's going to try out and make something big happen here and like, you know, it's a Hunter versus Kempson for the world record situation that there are certain standards that have to be met, uh, including, you know, actually doing full range of motion on everything and having a judge count all this stuff and whatever, all that stuff. Right. Um, and if that wasn't the case, it needed to be communicated that his role is like the support guy, make sure that Hunter does his best push Hunter and, you know, ensure that he's performing at a high level and doesn't drop off whatever. Right. Or if those things had been communicated and were ignored or felt between the cracks, Kempson is basically trying to like shoehorn his way into some sort of like limelight or fame or, or interest or part of the storyline that, that he doesn't necessarily like belong in. So like, you know, I listened to your interview with them. And I have, I, you know, you're, you're basically talk to him and you're like, Hey man, uh, we got to talk about this whole, like your reps look like garbage thing. And, uh, you know, why, like you told me you were going to beat him, but then you had no judge. And I was like, what the hell is going on? This is a really bad look. You're moving really poorly. Anyone with eyes can see that you're moving really poorly. I personally think that he made like this really ridiculous excuse of like, ah, oh, well, you know, when you don't have a judge, you know, your, your standards slip a little bit. You're, you're trying to push and your range of motion slips a little bit. Matt, you may not know this about the CrossFit community, but that's fucking garbage. That doesn't I said exist. That. I said that actually. Right. Well, okay. Well, then you don't know this about the CrossFit community, Matt, but that's fucking garbage. So, so can I, exist. Let's, can we, let's back up a lot though. I'm not upset. I'm just, let's back up a lot. Your face just got crinkled. Let's back it's up very, however it's, far it's, you want. It's very, it's very interesting to be on this side of something. You know, I've talked to you. I'm in this position all the time with these guys, right? I'm friends with them. I'm friendly with them and have to ask tough questions, et cetera. And I asked you, like, when these guys get popped for drugs, like, you got to talk to them about it. You know, when, when Sean Ramirez got popped, like, if he's a buddy of yours, isn't that kind of weird? Like, so I'm there. I like these guys, right? Um, I'm going to give you a quick analogy. Maybe you'll go there with me. Maybe you won't. If you watch any documentary about, like, skateboarding, surfing, uh, there's always, there's always the athletes. And then there's the dude that told the stories along with them that it usually is like the, the photographer that basically becomes one of them. And he's like, dope. At, we, we saw these amazing photos in the magazine and it's all one guy and they all kind of hang together. And I feel like that's sort of our role because these sports are so small. I mean, CrossFit clearly is, is bigger, but it's not like you know, Michael Jordan or whoever can't really hang out with the press after a game. And like, we just hang with these guys, right? So we're friends with them and have to like give honest reporting. Are you following me so far? Yes. Okay. You weren't nodding in agreement. So I've, you know, especially over years, you know, when you think about it, over five, six, seven, eight years, you know, these people, even if you don't spend a lot of time with them, you know, I've been with you at TMX. I've been with you in fucking Virginia. I've been with like all these different events. Anyway, so I know these guys. So to hear, to hear you talk about like your perception of him sauntering over there, it's like, oh, because that's kind of maybe what it looked like from the video. 
but like this whole like well you weren't there man i was fucking there like that's what people say and so when you see the internet when the internet blows up as it did i found myself wanting to defend hunter like in the comments as orm but i I didn't, but it's like, wow, like you're shitting all over this guy and he did this great thing and he busted his fucking ass. And I, I saw a guy kill himself for 30 minutes when Hunter walked for a second. I almost had a heart attack. Yeah. That's, like, that is very out of character. That is very I, out of character. I mean, I mean, I said it in my interview with Kempson. I'm like, well, what is dad? Okay. Is dad crying? Like what happened? Like to see this, like, you know, machine like being so, and you know, he's somebody said this to me the other day. They said in an event like this, a guy like Hunter typically rises to the occasion, not like drops below. And he had a bad day for him. He really did. He's yeah, not I mean, happy. He was, he was minutes slower than his, his fastest Murph in training. Right. But so imagine how that feels for a guy who knows all the spotlights on him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So back to Mr. Kempson. So, okay. Well, listen, my problem isn't with Hunter. I, actually I know, but I'm, like just setting the stage with, I'm just setting the stage with what, what it's been like to be there and what it feels like for me to be like to, to hear the internet go crazy. And a lot of it is those aren't even pull-ups, which means they're not CrossFit people, right? Yeah. They're so just, those, you can, you can automatically throw those. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, and I did think from where Kempson is concerned to, there's two things he said that to me were like, okay, I kind of tried to give you an opportunity to explain yourself and you didn't help yourself by saying, well, what's his name was kind of looking at me, you know, during my reps, he's kind of looking at me, making sure it's okay. And it's like, no, 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 that's the opposite. You're either having your reps counted or you're not, not somebody looks over every once in a while and says you're okay. Like that wasn't, that's not okay. Right. Um, the part about form breaking down. Okay. If you're not being judged, you're telling me that your reps are as good as when you are being judged. It depends on if you have something called integrity or not. <laughs> And if you have something called integrity, the, the fact that there isn't a judge doesn't change how you move. That's actually the entire point of like one of the core principles behind any, one of the core principles behind CrossFit and really what should be a core principle behind anybody's, uh, anybody's foray into literally anything that they do is a concept called virtuosity. It's doing the common uncommonly well, being exceptionally good at doing the simplest things. And the idea is that, you know, it's not whether or not someone's watching you that defines how you move. You just move that way. And if there's someone watching you and counting you, then it adds, you know, the credibility of having a judge for your reps. It's the same reason why you don't, you don't pay attention to someone who's like, yeah, I've, I have like a, a 42 second Fran. It's like, well, no, you don't. And if you did show us a video and then they show you a video and they're like not using weight and they're, you know what I mean? Like, it's- so, so you're telling me that if Matt Fraser is doing whatever you guys do, right? <laughs> Go ahead. And he has to do a hundred reps of it. Yeah. You think he's more likely to have a bad rep in the first five or the middle five or the last five? He's not likely to have a bad rep at all. But he's been no reps before. Of course he has. But that's, because, com- that's competition because you have, you have a judge and you're but, trying but to But it's push. not his integrity is off. It's that his form slipped. Mm, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't buy it. Here's, here's, let, me see, let me tell you this. I've spent uh, – listen, you, you've, spent, you've spent plenty of time around – 
uh, OCR athletes, right? Right. They probably spend a lot of time running. Right. 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 When they log their distances running, right. do you believe that the accuracy to the distance and the times that they give you? Yes. Why? Were you there to watch them? Well, Did you clock the, it? There's the Strava. Did you measure it? If that's what you mean. There's Here's a, where I'm coming from. Listen, you're, you're, I trust you. If you tell me, I believe you. But let me just say this. Did you watch, do you pay attention? We've talked about this, the strongman stuff. Right. Did we talk about the, the recent, the, it's actually like three the, years the, old. The boxing match thing between Eddie and Thor? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, you're talking about 2017 World Strongest Man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When, when Thor double clutch, what's it called? Double dips? Yeah, double dips his knees, yeah. That's a form issue because his body just did that. He wasn't trying to cheat. Correct. So that's like, right? That's his body. That was the last rep, not as good as his first rep, his body right. breaking down. So that's where my logic, that's what I thought it, that's what I thought it meant for all reps. Like, oh, not your body really. breaks it's down. Different. It's different. Strongman is different. Strongman's different. Cross was different. OCR is different. It's all okay. clearly different. So you're right? saying but, that if you're good at these exercises, they, right. you're, okay. So let me, I'm going to see here. What here's what saying. I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is if you put a secret camera into Matt Fraser's gym or Rich Froning's garage, you would catch near zero poor reps of anything, no matter how tired they are. Because okay. the thing that makes them so great at this thing is that they don't fuck up their reps. Okay, but how about the average CrossFitter? Because you just named the two best guys ever who ever lived. Well, I guess it depends on whether that average CrossFitter buys into the concepts of- People, you, people that you go to the box with. Uh, I mean, listen, at any gym, there's always going to be people who are cutting corners and like marking down times and scores that are incorrect. But listen, I can only speak for myself and the people that I've trained and the people that I've spoken to and the concepts and sort of rules that I live by. Those concepts, those rules, like I did Murph in my garage yesterday and my push-ups my squats, my pull-ups were all legit. I, I, if, I, if I fail a rep or if I mess it up, I will, I will repeat it to get it right. Because the point isn't like what the time is. The point is my movement is correct. And what I'm trying to say is that Kempson is not a part, neither was Hunter, honestly, until he kind of made himself a part of this. But Kempson is not a part of this community and he doesn't understand the value and importance of the rep ranges of motion that we use. It's not just, by the way, to keep track of the movements, although that is one of the most important parts of it. Like if you're trying to measure and compare someone's performance, you have to make sure that the same work is being done, generally speaking. So that's why there are those range of motion. And the second part of it is that these movements are on the whole, not just safe, but really, really good for your body to do. Squatting above parallel is worse for your body than squatting below parallel. For example, squatting where your like torso is parallel to the ground, like Kempson was doing, is worse for your body than it is to squat upright, you know, with good posture. And I get that when you're super tired, it like breaks down. That's that's 100% reasonable that when you're super tired, it breaks down. But breaking down your form and not doing correct reps are two different things. Okay. So I've been massively schooled, which I appreciate because I'm going to tell my audience to listen to this. They will also be schooled. So, which I appreciate. So, so I know some people said, 
like Hunter's not, his pull-ups weren't even good. And they said, well, it's the camera angle, right? Like you should be, when the camera's parallel, it's a lot easier to tell. So of the three movements, what were Kempson's the worst at? Was it the pull-ups? Because that's what I saw. I saw, whoa, he's not even getting close there. But again, I know that's an angle situation. Yeah, so you're right. There is a camera angle issue. Uh, the biggest issue with the camera angle is uh, if you're below where a pull-up is happening, it'll look wonky because of, of the angles that you're seeing, the pull-up bar and where the chin is. Uh, it, only when you're like, actually eye level with the pull-up bar and watching can you see for sure which is why it's important to have a judge uh watching Kemson's pull-ups like i was i was shocked at how poor they actually were like his forehead wasn't even getting over the bar for a lot of them and that could be an issue with the angles but it could also be an issue with his range of motion and looking at his his push-ups looked fine because they kind of looked the same as Hunter's push-ups, like a little bit wider, really aggressive, like kind of arched back to get the, uh, the, the plate carrier and the belly down onto the ground as quickly as possible and like bounce back up. That's fine. It's not like the best push-up in the world, but like, you know, it's okay. His squats, though, were, were awful. Like they were really, really bad. They looked really bad for him, and then they looked just bad in general. Um, whereas like Hunter's squats, the squats are where most people fuck it up. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like the squats are the easy one to to spot because it's really easy to spot when someone isn't going to full depth and isn't standing all the way up. And I was actually really impressed by Hunter's squats. Hunter's squats looked super fucking legit. Like they looked, they looked like they were passing a very high standard for his squats. Um, and it, that just clearly wasn't the case for, you know, Kempson, who was literally right next to him. So I I don't know. I mean, listen the. Here's, here's what is important and what isn't important. What is important is I think people are starting to realize that a 30-minute Murph is actually within reach for a lot more people than they first expected. You know, overall, over the weekend, we saw like six or seven people put up near or faster than Hunter's Murph on Saturday. People you believe. People that I believe uh, that, that could potentially do it. Like we saw Ricky Garrard. You know, and Ricky, like, you know, yeah, he, he was, he was doping at the 2017 CrossFit games. Um, but if you look at the type of fitness and capacity it takes to do that, like he's one of the guys who could potentially do what he said he did. It was like, I don't know what, like a 34, like a few seconds faster than, than. No, I think he said, didn't he say 32 and change? Okay. Well then there you go. I, I still, I still believe that Ricky's capable of doing that because to me, I believe that Rich could probably get close to 30 minutes. And I believe Matt could probably get, close they just to haven't, it's, they just haven't done it. It's not something they've been like, Hey, let me try to do the fastest Murph I can do ever. Correct. I mean, we saw rich did Murph on Monday. Uh, he did strict pull-ups and he did, but he broke it up. He did five, 10, 15 and he finished in, in like 34 minutes. So like the capacity is clearly there to do really, really fast reps on those movements. And that's not really what he trains for anyway. So it's like, the, the, it is possible. It's absolutely possible. Has what someone ever done it? Or like, I don't know. What percentage easier is partitioned? Significantly. Right. Like, I don't know how to describe the percentage, how, how much easier right. it is. Right, which is why I have such an issue with, and I'm not even the guy, you know, I'm not even the CrossFit guy, that 
the unpartitioned version is because it's it, it's it's I, had a, I I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but let's honor this person who did this hard as fuck workout by doing these things. Right. This is this is something he liked to do. But if it doesn't work, just do it without a vest or just break it up. I get what you're saying, but okay. So a couple things about that, right? There is no. Maybe I don't know. Maybe like some of his buddies uh, have more insight and have spoken to this. But my my understanding of Murph comes from the fact that Murph, the workout, was originally written on CrossFit.com, and it was written as run one mile, one hundred pull ups, two hundred push ups, three hundred squats, run one mile, partition the reps in the middle as needed wear body armor or a weight vest if you have it. That's exact. That's literally what it says. So the, the as written version, the sort of like RX version of Murph allows you to partition the 100, 200, 300 as you see fit. The reason why people stick to 100, 200, 300, the unpartitioned is because one, if you partition it as you see fit, then what do you count as like a partition that's okay and one that isn't, right? If you allow a partitioning, then any partitioning works. And then you don't really have a standard to, to measure to. So unpartitioned is used as a standard because it's a really simple standard to stick to. You do 100, then you do 200, then you do 300, and that is what we use. The second reason why people stick to the 100, 200, 300 thing is because that's when, when uh, Murph showed up at the CrossFit Games in 2015 for the first time ever. That's how they did it. They, they had like two events, then they had a day off, and then they did Murph the first thing on Friday. And it was like, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to wear a plate carrier. It's going to weigh 20 pounds. You're going to run the mile. You're going to do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats. You're going to run the mile. That is the way we're riding it. That's the way we're using it. That's where we're doing it. But the next year... They, they broke did it up. CrossFit Games, they broke it up. They did five rounds of, of, uh, of 20, uh, 40, and 60, right? So, so when you're looking at it that way, it's like, okay, so which one's the right quote-unquote way of doing it? Well, they're just different. They're just different. But the reason why people stick to like the unpartitioned is because it's a very simple measuring stick. It's a very easy thing to standardize because otherwise you'd have to keep track of records for an infinite variation of how to do 100, right. 200. And it- and it takes a really long time. Yeah, it's also harder. That's another reason why people stick to it that way. It's, it's right. way, so the, way harder. So the 22-minute times that we see on everybody's posts, I think I said this to you before, like forget people who are trying to set records. They don't even know. They're like, whoops. Like they just write it down. Like, look what I did, guys. They don't even fucking know what the world record is. They just right. think they killed it. So let me ask you this then. And again, uh, I'm doing this to educate me and my audience because I know I'm going to send a lot of people your way. What is it like normally for the other, the other hero workouts? Like, okay, so there are, when I, when you show, here's my understanding. When you show up in a box, we can do whatever we want. Hey guys, today we're going to do Murph, but we're going to do it this way, like a slight adjustment because Murph tells us what it is and then we tweak it. Right. But that's the workout of the day. That's the wad. Correct. Comes to these other hero workouts, right? When it comes to Fran or these other ones, right? Is it typically like there's one way to do it or do it whatever way you want? Murph is the, if it's not the only, I mean, I, I, I'm hesitating to say it's the only because there's a chance that I 
may have missed something, but let's say if it's not the only, then it's one of very, very few CrossFit events, workouts even, that allows you to do that. That's written in a way that encourages you to sort of choose your own adventure. Very, very few workouts are written like that. Every other workout, including basically every other hero workout, is written in a way that says, do this and do it like this. Just like Fran. Fran is 21, 15, 9, thrusters, 95 pounds for the men, 65 pounds for the women, and pull-ups. That's the workout. If you adjust that, it's different. If you scale it, it's scaled. If you change it, it's changed. If right, you do it backwards, it's backwards. But they do scale it normally because Correct. a guy might be showing up to CrossFit for his third week or whatever, Correct. right? Yes. And that's the, so when the, 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 the difference is, the difference is that with Murph, technically you can do Murph as prescribed and partition the, the reps in the middle because it's written as partition as needed. But I feel like we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds here, right? Because that's not what was being contested. That's not what was being tested here. The, 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 uh, the record that Murph, that Hunter was going for was an unpartitioned Murph. He wasn't going for the fastest Murph completed because if that was the case, then he probably would have done 5, 10, 15 uh, and done it that way and easily finished in under 30 minutes. But the fastest unpartitioned Murph is what he was going for. And so when you, when you say that, you kind of like, you like, you know, take your, your existing circle. It's like a target, right? You have like the outside of the target, everything inside that target is still the target. But if you compress it a little bit, and now you're only talking about the bullseye, you're still talking about part of the target, but you're specifically talking about part of that, the, the part that's the bullseye. I have a question for you. I asked you that morning, does anyone care? And you said, you tell me. And I'm like, well, I don't know right? Like you talked about like views and yes, the video is up to like 40 K views, which I thought it would be. And it's probably going to continue to be that because world record or Murph record is something people are going to search for a long time. Yay me views. I just made another, you know, $8 and 50 cents, whatever it is. Um, overall, you know, those guys like they don't care, right? Like who knows I break out a 33 minute if I tried, right? Like, does he care? Does the CrossFit community at large care? Uh, yeah, I think, I think the, the community cares, do the, do like the pro athletes care? That's a different question. Like if you, if you think Rich gives a shit about the fastest, like Murph time or the highest Cindy score, I'd be, I'd be really surprised if he did. He'd be like, um, say hi to my four best fittest ever, whatever the fuck you call you guys. So yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the best ever, the pedigree, the Something. pedigree is already there. You know, he doesn't need to be the best in every workout. He just needs to win the competitions when he shows up. Same thing with Matt. Same thing with the, the female competitors. It's the same thing. So, you know, when you're talking about setting a record for an event, I think Murph is actually a really, really good example of an event that transcends CrossFit. Like you're looking at a workout that has become a cultural milestone for a lot of people. You see celebrities are doing Murph. The Rock did Murph. You know, John Krasinski and Chris Pratt do Murph every year. They, they wrangle in their celebrity friends. Um, it's, it's become a part of the sort of like, you know, charity and, uh, you know, American citizenship and like, you know, just being like a proud, like, like, like you know, remembering Memorial Day. That's sort of, it's become a part of that. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing. Because it, it means that like, you know, 
Michael Murphy's sacrifice in Afghanistan like lives on in a really, really powerful way for people. At the very least, people know his name. They know what he did. They know his story. They understand what that means for his fellow uh, you know, service members, and also what it means for, you know, the United States of America, right? So those are, that's a really important milestone that I think it's, it's kind of transcended past what CrossFit uses it as, as like a training workout, or what he even used it as, as like, you know, the body armor workout, right? So when you look at it that way, I think it's really important. And it's probably one of very few workouts that you could actually say that's the case for, right? Like there aren't very many things that started in CrossFit specifically by and for CrossFitters that have blown up to that extent. And so when you look at, you know, the Murph world record, like, yeah, that's going to be something that people are interested in um, just solely because it has transcended beyond what CrossFitters use it as. Whereas like the Fran world record is like a very specific CrossFitters only are going to care about it. Right. And when, until you start getting, uh, you know, Instagram videos of Chris Pratt doing a one rep max snatch or the rock doing clean and jerks, no one's going to care about those either outside of weightlifters and CrossFitters. Right. So like outside of the strength sports, you don't really care about any of those events. It's why it's why benching is so impressive. It's why the deadlift is so impressive. Like people generally understand it. Nearly everyone has some sort of a, a relationship with those movements. They understand the bench. So when you say like, oh, this guy's got a thousand pound bench, it's like, oh shit, that's crazy. But if you tell someone I've got a thousand pound deadlift, it's like, okay, fewer people are going to know exactly what that is, but still a lot of people are. But if you tell people I, I have a, I have a 300 pound snatch, people are gonna be like, you have a what? Like right. that doesn't, so it, it, and then I have a three minute friend, like, okay, so suddenly you're getting way more specific, but Murph is starting to get into like the bench press of workouts. Like it's, it's so common. I think you should, you should be, you should hire. Murph should hire you. The the workout itself should hire you. If the Murph challenge? Model, no, no, not those people. Murph itself. The workout itself should hire you because you the bench press of work of of of, of wads. It, it is. I mean, it really is because you get. Here's when you know that like, the Murph thing, has turned into a cultural event as opposed to just a workout. People are using it as a man making tool. People are using it as a rite of passage. It's no longer just about Michael Murphy. It's no longer just about CrossFit or CrossFitters or even just Memorial Day. There are people out there who are using it as like a rite of passage or even as a stunt. Oh, I did 30 days of Murph, 30 right. Murphs in 30 days. And I'm like, uh, no one ever asked you to do that. None of us care that you did it. And you're only going to be really just hurting yourself for a little while. Like it, it, no one, no one's interested in that, right? Like 30 days of 30 Murphs is, is an, ex, is a perfect example as to how Murph has transcended beyond just CrossFitters doing it. Cause no one gives a shit if you just work out for 30 days in a row. Like that is in my opinion for a normal person equally fucking impressive if you just do 30 workouts in 30 days like actually don't what, skip a day just don't skip a day do 30 workouts in 30 days that to me is equally impressive as doing 30 murphs in 30 days especially when you look at most of these videos it's like your pull-ups are garbage your push-ups are garbage your squats are garbage uh you're you know 
you're saying like you're doing it in 25 minutes and like you're not really doing any of the reps like okay man like what do you want me to say congratulations like you'd be better off if you'd like started with an empty barbell and learned how to squat for 30 days in a row like your life would be more improved doing that versus doing 30 days of Murph. But that's, again, that's a complete, we're talking about a completely different subsect of the population here. When you look at like the cutting edge, the best of the best, and you're, you're, uh, you're putting yourself out there for attempting a world record like Hunter did, I didn't know who Matt Kempson was until he beat Hunter at his own event that Hunter himself had spent all his time, all his effort, all his energy setting up. And that is a very bad look. That's a bad look for Kempson. That's a bad look for Hunter. That's a bad look for the idea of contesting a world record in Murph. And to me, you can just ball up Kempson's time, not his effort, not his energy, not, not, his, not his work. You just ball up his time. Nobody's talking about it. his time anyway, so it nobody doesn't matter. Should, nobody should be talking about his time. Because I don't know what the time was. Good. I don't, I don't remember what it was either, but the, 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 like the work he put into and like the, whatever he may have brought to, to like expand the charitable aspect of it. That's really important. That's like huge thumbs up. Proud of you, buddy. You did a good job, but they need to sit down like Hunter and Kempson need to sit down and have it out in terms of what that, how that all panned out and what that all meant. Because, you know, it, it does cast a little bit of a shadow over, you know, the, the event itself that everyone wasn't on the same page. Dude, I a hundred percent agree. And Hunter has said, you know, going to do it next year, going to get bigger names, going to do more money. And I don't doubt that that's possible, but Hunter could also have that happen. What's that? I would love to see that happen. If they do like a yearly thing, that's fantastic. That's, that's However, better than, than, than just doing it once. I, I concur. However, I've heard a lot of people say they're going to do a lot of things a year from now, including myself. And guess what? Plans change, things happen. You've got great rationale behind why you're not doing it again. Um, I'd love to be a part of it again. I mean, it was, it, it could have been, it could have been, you know, that much better. And it, it does come down to communication. And, um, you know, on Hunter's, you know, Hunter's defense is like, listen, I'm already doing 25,000 other things. Um, there's still this massive detail that got left out that apparently wouldn't have mattered if the guy doesn't, you know, going to finish faster than you. Um, but I, I said to Hunter, I was talking to Hunter and Chris, and I said, you better make sure Hunter's reps are on point because people are going to slow motion screen cap every fucking rep, right? Correct. And they're like, and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to do that. I was like, great. I mean, I wasn't even think, like, I don't know where Kempson was when I said that because it didn't matter to me. Like, it was like, we need to, like, you guys need to be on it. Right. And he was right there. And then sure enough, this is the question I have for you. Uh, he missed a pushup. Hunter so did. Yeah. I counted all, I have not counted every rep of the entire workout, but I did go through the pushups. And everybody said in that first group of 20, he did 19, which he did. I was really hoping that he made up for it later on because I wasn't sure if people kept counting. He didn't. He did, he did 99 push-ups, right? 199, yep. 199 push-ups, right. So what's the rule? Um, what's the rule? Is Hunter disqualified? Is the, is the, would he assess him a penalty? What would CrossFit do in this scenario? The, okay, so that has happened before. 
Um, it's happened with really, really major implications in really, really tight and uh, important competitions. And the standard that CrossFit uses in those situations is to essentially look back at uh, they, they usually pick like one or two reps before one or two reps after average out the time and add that number onto the score. Uh, and it's not perfect, but I think that's the most fair way of doing things. Having a, a pure disqualification here, here's another difference, right? So when we talk about doing CrossFit, I talked, I talked about virtuosity. I talked about integrity in your movements and keeping range of motion. And I talked about why that's important in both like, you know, it's safer, it's more effective, but it also makes it standard and measurable so that we can actually compare someone's, you know, uh, Tabata squats to another person's Tabata squats. Cause you know that they're still doing all the way down, all the way up type thing. Um, that's in training, right? In training, it's your job to do all of those things. You meet the standard, you keep yourself uh, to a high level of performance, and you count all your reps, you make sure all of your reps are done. In competition, that's not your job. In competition, your job is to win. So you should be getting no reps in competition because you should be skirting the line. You should be testing your judge to see what they will allow and what they won't allow. It's the same thing in every sport. You're always trying to get one on the refs. You're always trying to get one on the judges. If you, can, if you can get something past them, it gives you an advantage. And the point of the competition is to win, not to just be there and look good. This sounds so, like the old, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go so far as to say you should blatantly cheat, but I can, I 100% guarantee you that there, is, there has never been a competitive CrossFitter who has not tested their judge in a movement or a workout. It is a guarantee. You just try to see what you can do, right? If the, if the uh, like, you know, just a, an easy one is the squat. Like how high can I squat and get away with it? How close can I shave it? How, how low, how, how, how close can I shave has it the, to below has parallel? There, has there been a scenario where, someone did that and then it was clear their judge just was not up to par and at the end of it was like wow this person got way too many like do you think dave or not whoever watches that stuff no no not not at the highest level at the highest level the judges are on point very very rarely do they make mistakes like that and when they do make mistakes like that it it gets it gets rectified uh sort of like you know sometimes arbitrarily sometimes using like rules that they make up at the moment but that's because they, they don't they don't they don't plan for that to be the case they basically they, they err on the side of the judges are going to have the standards and are going to be able to keep the standards. So very rarely do you see, if ever, have you ever seen a judge absolutely fuck it up, like just completely drop the ball and just give away a bunch of reps that they shouldn't have. That gets, that gets resolved because, for example, like on the floor at the CrossFit Games, there's the judge and then there's a head judge. So the head judge is watching the judges. And if something's slipping, they come over, they, they like override the judge and then they fix it right there and tell the judge, hey, fix this. So that gets resolved very, very quickly. So twere, uh, and, this the, so twere this the games, Hunter would have had a second or two added to his time, which still gives him the potentially. record. Potentially. Which yeah. still gives him the record. Right. Okay. And, and so what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is in a situation like this, in a competitive situation, Hunter's job isn't to count his reps. Hunter's job is to do the work. Uh, so his judge actually felt like his judge did a really good job of communicating with him, giving him some leeway and saying, hey man, 
this is where you're, you're skirting it too close. Fix this. This isn't working. Fix this. And, and sort of giving him, you know, a little bit of room to move around and sort of mess around with, with his reps. Um, but yeah, the fact that he missed one push up is like, it's not great. It's, it's definitely not like gold standard. You don't want to miss any reps, but it's also not necessarily his fault because you know, he's there for a specific reason. He's there to do the work and compete for, did, for the Did you title. watch the entire thing? I did. I did. <laughs> Sorry. Why? It's, like, it's just like, I, like, okay. Like, I just, I mean, just like you, because that, that's the thing too, is that this, this was recorded, right? On a this phone. World, yeah. world yeah. famous live stream. Yeah. Dr. B, Dr. Best, I go, listen, he said, he said, I don't live that far. You want me to come and help? I said, absolutely. I could probably use some help with interviews. Like you can hold the camera while I do interviews. And then when the day came, I was like, well, shit, you can just hold this fucker. I can use the nice camera and walk around and do whatever. We'll, we'll, you know, so, you know, I would have said like, Hey, stand like up this for the, for the pull-ups. Had I like kind of thinking about it now, like thinking like everybody's going to watch literally every single rep <laughs> on the push-ups, people were saying, he either intentionally or not intentionally wore the vest looser, so then the vest hits the ground. Like, is there a standard on tightness of the vest? Should it there's be? no there's no standard on tightness of the vest, but the the standard isn't the vest hitting the ground. The standard is your chest hitting the back of the vest. Your chest hitting the back of the vest. Yeah, the standard is compressing it, right? I mean, that's that's the that's how you do the push up. The push up is if you don't if you're not wearing a vest, it's your chest touches the ground. And if you are wearing a vest, it's not that the vest touching the ground is, is where it counts. It's, it's getting as low as you can, which is the vest touching the ground and then your chest touching the inside of the vest. Got it. Got it. So you were pleased. You were, you give his judge high marks. Yeah. I think, I think his judge did a decent job. Just, I mean, like, listen, I didn't, I didn't sit down. I didn't catch that he missed a rep. I didn't, I didn't catch that and I didn't go back and count it, but based off of like the first viewing and watching it and sort of trying to keep track of how quickly he finished each segment. I felt like his judge did a pretty good job of keeping him to a standard. Again, the push-ups are like it's questionable for a few reasons, but this it's the it's the strategy that he picked on the push-ups. It was very clear that he knew exactly how he was going to do every single one of those push-ups. He went a little bit wider with his hands. He arched instead of having like a tight uh, trunk and midsection so that his like sternum could hit the ground faster and he bounced out of the bottom the entire time. It makes the push-up way more manageable in that workout. It absolutely does. But does it meet the standard? Yeah. The standard is when you're going down, your shoulders and your hips and your knees move in a straight line together, right? So he's not doing a snake movement where he hits the bottom and his chest comes up first and he presses that way. And he's not doing like a yogi push-up where he hits the bottom and his butt comes up first and his so he's, he's meeting most people standard. do that one. The second one you just said, right? Where the butt goes up. Right. Yeah. Because it's a little bit harder to do it. The, the, the first version, the snaking version. So the hands being, are you saying like most people wouldn't try, have that strategy in a CrossFit it, setting? Uh, have you watched, have you watched the Murph version from the CrossFit games? I guess I, I guess I should. It's good. They actually just posted it uh, on their on their YouTube, like as separate videos, the men's version and the women's version from 2015. Um, and you can see, like, you know, pretty much everybody gets down to doing doubles on the push-ups the same way that that Hunter did. Um, nearly everyone keeps the sort of like 
standard like hands in close elbows in tight push-up but everyone plays around with it and as they absolutely should because as you start moving your hands around a little bit a little bit wider turning them out elbows out wider elbows in closer it hits different muscle groups and makes Uh, it a little bit easier to keep doing reps so you're not tiring out one part of your body he he said he was surprised that he was getting down to singles in the push-ups though he said that was not his plan i'm sure that wasn't his plan but uh you know you got to do what you got to do I was I was a little bit surprised to see him bust out like a set of 20 to start off with or whatever it was, 19, I guess, um, because that's just going to be unsustainable. Guaranteed, it's unsustainable. But doing, you know, fives is way more sustainable. It just means that you have to be on top of your your game in terms of not resting too long. But either way, you asked about the standards. Like, I felt that he was held to a, a very consistent standard that he would be held to if he was at a competition like sanctionals or regionals or even the games. I felt like he was held to a very strong standard. So, you know, I I hope they do it again. Of course. Listen, this isn't, that's the thing. This is bigger than just Hunter doing the Murph world record. This is something that you could see happening every year. I mean, dude, last week we watched the same weekend. We watched, uh, uh, you know, Tiger and Peyton take on, right uh phil and tom brady right that isn't about golf right that was about charity right like it was cool because you had golf superstars and then football superstars so it's interesting to watch that but that that's like an all day long thing they had to build like eight hours worth of programming to make it happen like a world uh, like a murph world championships quote unquote you think that if John Krasinski did an Instagram video and was like, hey guys, next May we're doing the Murph World Championships, like you'd get a hundred special forces people jumping in to right. try and do it. Like you, you'd get so many right. people and to participate. And that's, I think, what he's talking about is, is, is having like, you could have the pro category, the open category, but you bring everybody. Yeah, you set do, off it, people. do it at a track. Do it at like, you know, do it in Eugene. At, at, at like a world famous track, all you have to do is build some pull up bars. Oh, I thought he, I thought he was gonna do it at the same place, but <laughs> it's just a box. Sure, I mean you could do it at a box, but honestly, if you want to make it more exciting, do it somewhere that's built for having crowds. Like do it at a track, do it at a I stadium. Have, I have a question for you. Speaking of superstars, um, do you know Lance Armstrong? Yeah, personally, yeah, we're we're super tight. We go. Well, don't you both live in Austin? All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. He he and I we ride recumbent bikes together. We talk about the good old days. Did you uh, did you watch part one of the doc? I watched the first twenty minutes of it, and then what happened? And I left, and I was like, I don't really care about this. I felt like it actually wasn't that good. I felt like as a follow up to Last Dance, it was like, come on, guys. Well, it's not a follow up to Last Dance. Clearly. Yeah, it is a follow up to Last Dance. They pushed it up. They pushed up the release dates so that people would have something else to watch, right? So it's like when Last Dance is like the gold standard, platinum, diamond level of documentaries. And then the first thing that I see is Lance Armstrong telling us a story about how no one ever tells him fuck you until the one time people told him fuck you. And I was like, okay, what's the point of this documentary? So I watched the first like 20 minutes of it. And you can, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. But I watched the first 20 minutes of the documentary. And I was like, this isn't telling me any information that I didn't particularly know already, right? There's been so many documentaries and so many news stories about, about you know, his cheating and his personality and this and that. And I was like, all right, so then what is it they're actually trying to show? 
And the more I watched, the more unlikable Lance Armstrong became. And I was like, okay, so this is just a documentary about how unlikable Lance Armstrong is. And I was like, well, I don't really need to see that unless there's going to be some sort of vignette that I don't already know about, about how much of a dick he is. All right. Well then in that case, I'll probably catch it on Twitter or something instead of having to sit through this entire thing. It, it, the point that I left was when it was starting to get interesting was when it was actually talking about the history of the Tour de France and, you know, how that all came, came about. But unless, unless I'm totally off base here, it just seemed to me the whole angle of the, the documentary, the whole tone of the documentary is look how unlikable this guy who happened to be the very best in the world at this has always been. He was unlikable as a child. He was unlikable as a teenager. He was unlikable as a young adult. He's very unlikable as a professional and he's even more unlikable now. And I was like, okay, like what, what, do you know what the tipping point was when I decided that I I wasn't going to watch the rest of it? It was when his stepdad Who's credit for him fucking unlikable as he is. To credit for like, being, you, you wouldn't have Lance Armstrong the champion if it wasn't for me. And I was like, go fuck yourself. Well, dude. so you're, you're supposed to think that they left that in for a reason, right? And it also, like, anytime you can show where people come from, I think it's important. Here's why I think you should watch this. First of all, not the follow up to The Last Dance. That's like saying I saw a movie, then I saw another movie that's it's the follow up because they're both movies. No, like, no, no. They're not that's the same not, director. Not like no, it's not, not the not same like production company. It's nothing. But it, is, but it is ESPN. Hold on. But it is ESPN. And ESPN moved up. Of Hold course on. they did. Of yes. course they did. Because, so, if, because if something goes well, we have to do it a thousand more times until right. they kill it. So their entire point is like, we're going to make unmissable Sunday night viewing. We have five weeks of the last dance. We're doing two episodes a night. It's going to be so dope. What do we have in the can that we can push up right now and have them? It's like, we have these other 30 for 30s. We have Lance, we have Bruce Lee. And what's the, what's the other 30 for 30 that they're pumping out right now? I don't remember. But they decided, they're like, you know what? The one two punch here, the two of our one two punch is this Lance Armstrong documentary. No, no, it's not. Do you, do you, I agree it isn't, but that's what they tried to do. Do you think Netflix said, you know, we've aired a lot of docs, but this Tiger King thing's going to take over the country. Do you think they thought that? No, but I guarantee you, hold on a second, but I guarantee you when they, when they saw you and I, I, you watched Tiger King, right? Of course. So after Tiger King became a huge deal, they did a follow-up episode. Of course they did. Right? Right. Would they have done that follow-up episode if it, if it flopped? No, probably not. Right. But that's the idea. The idea is you, you program over time for your network to succeed and you want to train right. people so, to keep coming so, back Sunday night. So the night. same way that Tiger King was the COVID lottery, so was Last Dance. Because a lot of people who follow basketball knew 95% of that stuff. But we're dying for sports. You know, somebody, some asshole on LinkedIn was like, here's what we learned from that documentary. And it was like, people were hungry for sports. Like, period. It wasn't some marketing this and that and stories and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. Like it was a good doc, but people are dying. We're showing nothing but old. We're showing old fucking CrossFits. We're showing old baseball games. Like, so this is new content with a lot of new Michael Jordan. So let's go back to Lance though. Let's go back to Lance. Okay. I've seen all the docs on Lance. I've seen Slaying the Badger, which isn't about Lance, but it's another good doc about cycling. I'm not a cycling fan, but I've seen all the docs, okay? And I'm like, what angle is this going to be? Why should I care? I've seen them all, right? And this one is watchable. My wife and I watch it together, and it, it always starts with the same thing, right? When he tells that story of people coming up to him and telling him to fuck off, 
my wife got upset. She's like, because you've never lied in your life. Like people are so fucking, people are so horrible that they do that, right? Even if it's not cool to cheat people, like it's just as horrible to be like, to go up to a guy and tell him to fuck off or whatever. And he thought he was like, his big thing was I'm rising above this. I'm paying for their bill. No, you weren't. That was your fuck you back. Yeah, he was being a petty, he was being a king, king of pettiness. Right, but he, in his mind, he's like, see, I fucking, whatever, right? So now- why do we love this story, right? We love heroes. We love when they fall, right? Like it's oldest stories since time, right? We love when they fall, then we love the redemption. So Lance so far doesn't have redemption, right? Like when the first, when the first thing came out, like the first docs came out, well, let me back up. He goes on Oprah and he's like, yeah, I've called those people and I've apologized and it was really bad. And then like the documentary made the next year, those people go, yeah, he called me and was like, hey, what's up? Okay, cool. So that he could go on Oprah and say he called me. Lance is still a piece of shit. Like they all said that, right? So it becomes, it also becomes this question of, um, this came up just yesterday, okay? With my co-host, Josh Chase. Well, Krasinski's a piece of shit because he took a bunch of money for this show that was supposed to be a good thing. And I'm like, okay, so somebody offers you a bunch of money for something that you kind of started as a whim and now you don't even have to do it anymore. You're going to say no? Like Krasinski's a horrible person for this? Wait, what are you talking about? This is a hot take people have. Of what? Krasinski has a show called Good News. Yeah, okay. It got bought, it got bought by CBS. Okay. And now he doesn't even have to do it anymore. It's like, Good News, uh, not hosted by John Krasinski and he's just the producer. But he's a horrible sellout because he did it at first for free on YouTube. That's the worst hot take I've ever heard in my entire life. Have you, have you, do, you, do you pay attention to the internet? You're not allowed to make any money. If, you're, if you don't give money to charity and make masks, you're a horrible person right now. That is, just, that is the worst hot take I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay, but so that's the hot take going around. So Okay. I can, I'm going to just immediately ignore any opinion by anyone that has expressed that hot take. But go ahead. Okay. Um, I told you, I got questions for my race. Like people are, people are, when I put on this race, people are like, what charity are you giving it to? And I go, uh, feeding my kids, keeping the lights on. I, I don't know. Like, anyway, so uh, very near and dear subject to my heart. So this whole thing about Lance, right? You start the cheating, right? You become a global sensation. Millions of cancer patients are telling you, you've changed their life sponsors like the ball is fucking rolling right it is pretty hard to stop that ball rolling right and then one day just like anything just like drugs just like sex just like anything that gets out of control right and then what would you do in that situation that's kind of to me what this whole thing is about and it kind of makes you slow down and not just go well you're a fucking cheater you're a piece of shit however however the guy the doctor who makes the drugs and gives them to you, you are definitely a piece of shit. <laughs> you think, okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. Because I also remember one of the last things that I saw before I stopped watching that show, that, that, that documentary, was they asked Lance, what was, the, what was the first time 
you cheated. And he was like, oh, you know, well, people, you know, they take a bunch of different things sometimes like, oh, but, but, you know, the first time that I actually did something um, that was like against the rules that I could have gotten in trouble for. Yeah. That was the very first professional race I ever had. I was like, <laughs> okay, so you've always been a piece of shit. You were a piece of shit as a child, a teenager, a young adult, and you just leaned it further into being a piece of shit by cheating the very first opportunity you had to cheat to actually make more money. So why the fuck am I watching this? This doesn't tell me anything interesting or new about him. I'm not getting any sort of like vicarious enjoyment by learning more about how big of a piece of shit he has been his entire life. It doesn't do anything for me. And listen, dude, I, 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 I get that, you know, there's like a redemption story arc. There is not a redemption story arc for Lance Armstrong. I don't think there is. I don't think that's where this is going to end. I think it's where he wants it to be. The, the, when they started off, they talked to the people like the reporter and the, one of his friends. They're like, he's going to try to manipulate you to make this a good story about him. Like they say yeah. that. I yeah. don't think they are. They never, and, and he's not doing himself any favors. When he's in the car and he's talking about how he's like, oh yeah, they sued me for $100 million, but we settled for five. Like, you know what the difference between $100 million and $5 million is? I don't have $100 million. I was like, fuck you Lance Armstrong like what the fuck are you even talking about right now like it, it it just there is no way that this becomes a good look so then what is the point the point is to continue making him look like an asshole we already fucking knew he was an asshole this doesn't do anything for making it a more interesting story we know all the evil petty like greedy awful things he's done to other people we know that it's a really difficult story to wrap your head around because at the same time as he was being this terrible human being to everyone around him his name and image and story was being used to elevate millions of other people's lives and it's like oh well here's the separation one is really 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 good branding and marketing from the biggest branding and marketing machines in the entire world who absolutely knew that he was a piece of shit when they were building these stories but left those stories out on the cutting room floor so who's, because so who's the worst you person? can't build live strong around a guy who does what he does right so who's the worst person Lance Armstrong is. Why? Why is he worse than the marketing company? Why is he worse than the heads of the cycling that fucking let it go for years? Oh, don't even, not, listen, don't, I don't want to, that's apples to oranges. It's like saying like, is, are the Olympics terrible? Yeah, the Olympics are the fucking worst, but what's worse? Like the, how corrupt the Olympics are or like the one athlete that is cheating through all their Olympic, uh, like they're both awful, but they're awful in different ways. You get what I'm saying? Lance Armstrong, the, the name of the documentary is Lance. It's not, live strong it's not nike or whatever the fuck you know it's not u.s postal service team it's lance right so the entire point of the the documentary is going to be lance armstrong and the fact of the matter is we already know that he's a an he's an insufferable piece of shit and he has no remorse for any of the things that he did i don't think everybody knows that i think you know that or they wouldn't watch it people are going to watch it all right. It's no last dance, but people are going to watch it. Okay. But, but how far do you live from him? I have no idea. I have no idea. He, he lives somewhere in Austin. Let me Google but this. Austin's a big place. Where does Lance Armstrong... Hey, Siri. What's Lance Armstrong's address? I don't see Lance Armstrong in your contacts. Perhaps you meant one of these. Lance Big Tuck Johnson. What? Harley Jason Armstrong. Okay. We can't find out where he lives. Yeah, bummer. I think it's a good thing we don't know where he lives. 
but he lives somewhere in Austin, which probably means he he lives in uh, he lives outside of Austin. If I had to guess, I don't think he lives in Austin proper. But hey, man, listen. Here's the thing: uh, people also are very how do you uh, complicated human beings, right? No right. one is one thing or another. Lance might be ninety percent a dumpster, right? He might be ninety percent a terrible human being. But there's 10% of them that like, if you ran into him at a coffee shop, he might, he might be like polite to you, or he's probably good with his kids, or, you know, he gives back in charitable, but like, you can make judgments on people based off of how they behave and what they say and where they are and the things that they do. And I think it's pretty clear based off of the infinite amount of media that we've already had on Lance Armstrong that he's not really the best example of a human being. There might be some parts of him that you can admire. You can admire his tenacity. You can admire his willingness to suffer. You can admire his physical prowess and his commitment to training and being the best. You might even be able to admire his ability to just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to do everything I have to do, whether or not it's moral or legal in order to be the very best. But there are also things about him that you can absolutely point out as the worst facets of a human being. And I think, I think that's, that, that, that is a more interesting story to me. It's not interesting to me telling a story about how terrible this person is and just letting himself skewer himself the entire time. Every time he was on camera for the 25 minutes or whatever that I watched of that first episode, every time he was on camera... Everything that he said made himself look worse. They, they didn't even have the opportunity to provide a nuanced look at the situation. It was just very clear that the tone from the very beginning was he's petty. He's, he's borderline wrong on everything that he does professionally. He's made you know, uh, poor decisions the entire time that were selfish and you know, sacrificed other people for him to get ahead. Like they never even looked at what, what nuance there could be to, to like balance that story out. So again, to me, the entire point of the documentary is to make him look like a douchebag. All right. I think you should finish watching it because I think it, it has something to it, but you don't have to. And I've, and trust me, I've turned docs off after 20 minutes, plenty, but I think it's worth watching. Yeah. Well, Matt, I think we've talked about a lot of stuff today. Where can people find you? Where can people find you? Up your butt. Mm. Mm. Can they though? Obstacleracingmedia.com is the website. Obstacle Racing Media on Instagram. Uh, We cover the world of obstacle racing. So CrossFit people, people that do the CrossFit, if you've ever run an OCR or two. Uh, I also interview the occasional CrossFitter, uh, the occasional ultra runner. I dip my toes in the other things. Uh, so I had old Jake on the other day, had old Jake Hepner on. I've had, uh, I don't know who else I've had on some random people that you've, you know, some lower, lower CrossFit stars. I had a bunch, I had a bunch of them on when they came to TMX. I had P Vellner on when they came to TMX. P Vellner. Right. The man, the ginger. I appreciate it, Matt. I know this was a lot of me just ranting at you, but I think you provided a lot of insight when I did shut my mouth. Well, I do appreciate it. And, and I know my, like, 
my partner, I have a co-host and he probably won't want to talk about Lance. So I'm glad at least we got to, I got to get that out. Cause I wanted to talk about it. Good. But I, but, but dude, I've had you on my show multiple times because you're great and I'll have you back again soon. Likewise. I think this might be the first time that, that you're on my channel, but we should do this again for sure. Absolutely. Thanks dude. See you later.